Well, again, good morning, everyone. Let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. Hey, so listen, welcome to City Church. We have a very well-defined mission, and our mission is this, is we're all about calling people to follow Jesus and to serve others. That's what City Church is about, calling people to follow Jesus and to serve others. And in the midst of that, what we've been doing over the past several weeks is we've been taking a look in the scriptures as to what God calls us to remember. What does God call us to remember? And this teaching series began where I gave a teaching, and it was talking about communion, where God calls us to remember the Lord's death until he comes. The next teaching that I did in this Remember series focused on remember the love of God for us in Jesus, the love of God for us in Jesus. And this morning, I'm going to give a teaching that, or bring a sermon that in a lot of ways may strike you as odd at the outset. But the title of this message is simply this, Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, a lot of times when we talk about Sabbath, instantly we go to something along the lines of legalism. You could see that in the Newer Testament, where Jesus even healed someone on the, ha- on the Sabbath, and the religious authorities came to him and said, how dare you heal <laughs> someone on the Sabbath? But there was this sense of what it meant to be Jewish and to live the Sabbath. But how many of you recognize that the Ten Commandments are important? Would you raise your hand? Some, in some way, you would say, yep, I can, almost everyone would agree that the wisdom that's brought to us from the Ten Commandments is an important piece of life. Well, the Fourth Commandment is a commandment that calls us to remember, to remember. And so what we're going to do together is we're going to take a quick look at that Fourth Commandment as it's found in Scripture, and then we're going to talk practically about what that looks like by journeying through the Older Testament into the Newer Testament to understand the idea of Sabbath. Before we get there, I have a question. I would ask for a show of hands, but I don't know if you would admit it, but I'll do it anyway. How many of you would say that as of today, you would admit you need rest? If you would admit that you're tired, raise the other hand. Now worship Jesus together. No, I'm just kidding. Look, we live in a culture that's tired. Tired. So many people that I meet live with no margin, and they live on the brink of emotional disaster. Yet the Bible calls us through Sabbath to be a people that find rest from God, to find rest. My purpose and my goal is that you and I would literally understand that the Ten Commandments are not just for the Older Testament, but they have fruit 
and benefit for us today, but specifically the fourth one. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. In there, what you'll discover, there's an idea from God of divine rest for you and for me. What I want us to begin by doing is to turn to Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to begin reading in verse 8. If you utilize the Bibles we provide, you can turn to page 60, otherwise the text is up on the screen. Again, Exodus chapter 20, we're going to begin reading in verse 8. Here's what the Bible tells us. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and the all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. If you were to look in Scripture you would discover that every time the Ten Commandments is given, God precedes the Ten Commandments by announcing what we can read now in chapter 20, verse 1. Here's what it says as the Ten Commandments are given. And God spoke all these words. Here's what God says as an introduction every time the Ten Commandments are mentioned or they're given. Listen carefully. Verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of slavery. God says, as a precursor to the Ten Commandments, I'm the God that has set you free from slavery, and here are ten things I want you to do so you don't go back into bondage again. Israel, you're free. But these ten things... These ten things will keep you from going into bondage. And one of them is the fourth one. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days accomplish all your work. But there is the seventh day where you are to rest, to rejuvenate, and to make sure that that day is dedicated to God. Now, it's fascinating to me that when God gives that law where we just read, God knows the human heart. God says, work six days, take one day for you to rest and you to focus on God. And then the, sub, the little subtext there is this, and oh, by the way, don't you do that and then have your kids out there working. Don't you do that and then have your animals strapped to something that does the work for you. Don't you do that and have Sabbath and have rest and make it a day unto the Lord, but the foreigners that you employ, that they would be out there working and not you. In other words, God says that there is to be one day a week 
that is set aside for God to where we rest and we rest from our labors. I love this. I grew up on a farm. There was always work to do. Always. I'm telling you, growing up on a farm, if you've done it, you know you can work from sunup to sundown eight days a week. There's still stuff to do. My father used to have these lists of stuff he wanted us to get done. He didn't care when they got done, but they'd better be done when he came home. He'd go around and he'd kind of check our work. And then the weekend would come. I used to have to get up, and you can cry for me if you want, but I used to have to get up at quarter to six every morning as a kid, walk through snowdrifts that were 50 feet over my head, go out to the barn and feed the animals every single morning without question. Then the work list would hit on the weekend. But you know what my dad would do? It was dinner time. And he'd be working on a project, and he'd come over and get us, and he'd say this, your work is done. It's done. Put the hammer down, put the tools away, put what you're working with away, park the tractors in the barn. Your work is done. We're going to go eat, and then you can relax and chill out and play and have fun. Isn't it something that God's a heavenly father? And he comes to us as a loving dad. And here's what he says. Take one day and don't work. Don't do that. It's almost like our heavenly father gives us permission to sit, to rest, to rejuvenate, and to focus on who he is and his goodness to us. I read this not as some undermining command, but the love of my earthly father who'd walk up to us and say, your work for the day is done. Go eat, relax, have some fun. It was permission to unhitch from that huge list that was perpetually there. But my father, out of love for us, would say, that's enough. You've worked hard, now rest, rejuvenate. It's amazing to me that God, as one of the fourth, or the fourth of the Ten Commandments, says to you and me that we have His permission, His command, His heavenly fatherly love, where He says to us, take one day a week off, rejuvenate, and focus on me. You know what's amazing is that it was not just taking a Sabbath rest one day a week. But if you move through the Older Testament, you will discover something absolutely incredible about the Sabbath. There was literally what was called a Sabbath year. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 25, and we're going to see where this law is explained. The idea of Sabbath is explained a little bit greater. It's on page 100 in the Bibles that we provide. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 1. Here's what's recorded for us in the law of God. Here Moses is receiving the law. He's received the law, the fourth commandment about the Sabbath, and then God shows up and declares what's called a Sabbath year. We're going to read this because there's something important for us to get out of it. 
Here's what it says. The Lord said to Moses at Mount Sinai, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I am going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath for the Lord. For six years sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards and gather their crops. Verse 4. But in the seventh year the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest. A rest to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during that the year, the Sabbath year, will be food for you, for yourself, your male and your female servants and hired workers and temporary residents who live among you, as well as your livestock And the wild animals in your land, whatever the land produces, must be eaten. Then he moves towards what's called the year of Jubilee. Here's what he writes. Count off seven Sabbath years. So you have a Sabbath year where you don't plant, you don't prune, you just eat what naturally grows. And then what you do is you count off seven of those Sabbath years Count off seven Sabbath years, seven times seven, so that the seventh Sabbath years among a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere, and on the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout the land and consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your own family, and you're supposed to do all of those things. Then it says in verse 11, the 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow, do not reap, do not grow the harvest, for it is a jubilee, and it is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. If you were to read on, here's what you would discover. God makes a promise. Here's his promise. If you will honor the seventh year, And if you will honor, and this is what he says to the people of Israel, if you will honor that year of Jubilee and you will plant nothing, you will harvest nothing, he goes on to say, but you must, you'll begin to say to yourself, but how in the world are we going to support ourselves? How are we going to live? And here's God's promise. God's promise is found in Leviticus chapter 25, verses 18 through 22. If you could put up the slide. Here's his promise. Follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws and you will live safely in the land. Then the land will yield its fruit and you will eat your fill and live in their safety. Live there in safety. You may ask, what will we eat in the seventh year if we do not plant or harvest our crops? Here's God's promise. I will send you such a rich blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for how many years? Three years. While you plant during the eighth year, you will eat from the old crop and will continue to eat from it until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. Isn't that incredible? God says, if you will obey me and you will observe the Sabbath day, And the Sabbath year, when you observe the Sabbath year, you're going to be worried, how will we survive? And God says this, if you will commit to it on that sixth year, 
I will give you a bumper crop. That crop will be equal to three years of harvest, and you will have all that you need as you take a break and you experience the Sabbath. That's God's promise. What an amazing promise that is. Now, I've got a couple Sabbath thoughts. I want to talk to us now very practically about a Sabbath in our own lives and us observing a day of rest. And so there are five things that entered my head that I would like to talk to us about when we talk about remember the Sabbath, make it holy, rest. So if we have the slide, could we put up the slide that shows the five things that I've thought about and prayed through for us as a church? Here's some biblical Sabbath thoughts. Number one, here's a reason why some people won't take a Sabbath. It's pride. It's pride in that we like to be able to tell people how hard we have worked. I have a dear friend of mine who retired early. You know what I love about that person? Made a lot of money. They retired early. They do a ton in ministry. They do a ton in our community. But you know what I love about them? When I call them up and say, hey, how are you doing? Or what are you doing? Here's what they say. Not much. They're being honest. A lot of people, if you call them, they'll start banging pots and pans in the background of the phone and shuffling things around. Oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. There's a sense in us. And if you grew up like I did, I grew up in a German home where work ethic was the most prized thing that was literally beaten into all of us. Like to tell people how busy we are, how hard we're working. And God says, oh no, there's one day when people call you a week, where they ask you, what are you doing? You're to say, I'm resting. I'm resting. But there's something in us that wants to violate that, at least in some of us. Others of you are going, hallelujah, I'll readily admit that I'm just resting. Number two, a lack of trust in God and an overabundance of self-reliance. We don't want to take a day of rest. We don't want to take a day of Sabbath and focus on God and on the things God's blessed us with. Maybe it's family or other things where literally we're resting, we're together, we're rejuvenating our batteries. We don't want to do that, and here's why. Some of you are sitting here right now doing the mental math, going, I can't do that. I can't do that. If I'm going to rest, then the other guy's going to be preparing the bid for the job that I'm going to be trying to get. My coworkers are going to be polishing off a PowerPoint presentation, and I'm going to be resting and focusing on God. I can't do that. Others are going to be saying, man, I've got to work this day. I've got to produce. I've got to get it done. 
Some of us look at overtime and we say, oh my goodness, I'm going to take that overtime because the money's good. Think about the promise of God. If we obey the Sabbath, he will give you a bumper crop in six days that you cannot get in seven. That God miraculously will fill in and he will be the one that supplies. What I know is, this point cuts sideways with a bunch of us. We'll come to that again in just a moment. Number three, a biblical thought for me on Sabbath is this, is that if you're like me, oftentimes six days of the week, God isn't always my priority. Can I say that again in confession? Six days of the week, God is not always my priority. But there's this one day, the day of rest, the day of Sabbath, where God is God, where He truly is God, where the purpose of the day is not to work, it's not to strive, it's not to attain, but it's to rest and to rejuvenate and to let God be God. The next thing that struck me was that a Sabbath rest breaks a vicious, culturally commanded cycle for our lives. It's vicious. I've observed it. We live in an academic community. I've watched the pressure that gets put on kids and parents alike. I've watched job pressure grow over time. And people are feeling like it's compulsory to do stuff and to laden every moment of every single day with the stuff that's got to be done. And the thought of a a Sabbath is absolutely unthinkable. But here's what I want to challenge you with. A Sabbath will break the vicious, culturally commanded cycle in rhythm. It's where we stand up and say, no, this is for God. Maybe six days a week, God isn't always the priority he should be, but on this day, God will be God in my life. I'm going to push the pause button. I'm going to rest. And in that vicious, culturally commanded cycle, I think God's trying to speak to some of us. And here's why. Please hear me carefully. This is not a rebuke, but it's a thought to consider. If your vision of success leaves you so busy that you cannot spend time with God, I promise you your view of success is sideways with God's best for your life. I promise you it's sideways. Because for some of us, We have bought into the cultural version of success to such a degree that there's no time for God. There's no time for rest. We're on a treadmill and we're running as fast as we possibly can. The problem is, there are so many who have attained success and what they will tell you, it was not worth it, not even close. You see, here's why a Sabbath rest forces us to keep godly priorities as godly priorities. It means keeping God first, truly keeping family second, 
spending time together with people that we know and we love and rejoicing in the goodness of God for our lives and unplugging from the rat race of life. And the fifth thing about a Sabbath day is it gives me God-centered rest. There's a big difference between God-centered rest and a vacation. Now, how many of you love vacations? Both hands. A Sabbath rest is different than a vacation. It is. A Sabbath rest is something that we do on a weekly basis. It's where we determine what that will look like for each one of us. Where we put our pride down where we bump up our trust in God, saying, you know what, God, I'm not going to work seven days a week. I'm going to take one, and I'm going to trust you that as I keep you first, that self-reliance will move over to God-reliance. If someone calls me up and says, what are you doing? I'm going to say, nothing. I'm resting, recharging my batteries. And I could promise you, if you said to your friend, you want to come join me, they'd say, I'm on my way. I'd love to just rest. But you see, there's something about the Sabbath that is a God-centered rest. It's God-centered. On that day, I proclaim that my time and my attention and my intention is towards God, and I trust in Him. I trust Him. It's incredible to think that Jesus, who was God in the flesh, on Sabbath, was doing different things. There was one point where Jesus' disciples were walking through a grain field and they picked a head of grain and they began to uh, satisfy their hunger as they chewed on that grain. Someone observed that and said, oh, you're harvesting on the Sabbath. All of a sudden, there were laws and rules where people were judging each other about how they were celebrating Sabbath. And here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Here's what he said. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath is for you. Sabbath is for me. That's why God announced it. And the rabbis teach us the following. The Sabbath means four things. Four things are what the Sabbath means. And I would like those placed up on the screen. Sabbath means four things. I want to read them. Sabbath means ceasing, where we cease to work. Sabbath means resting. The rabbis teach us that Sabbath, Sabbath means embracing, where we embrace the people around us, we embrace God, and then it means feasting. Don't you love that last one? Feasting. It means that we enjoy, we celebrate, we step into the victory of God's goodness for us, and we allow it to become very personal and something that we recognize. I believe that if we don't take Sabbath seriously, that we can live our lives for decades without really taking stock of God's goodness, His provision, and giving Him thanks, and truly feasting and enjoying in what God has given us. 
It's that idea of ceasing and resting and embracing and feasting. Now, if you're like me, I can be really ADD. My wife will often say to me, why can't you just sit still? I have no clue why I can't sit still. It just is what it is. If I'm sitting there, my leg is twitching, just constantly moving. She'll say, just relax, chill out. God whispers us to, to us from heaven. He says, I'm your heavenly father and I love you. I want you to relax, to rest, to spend time with me and the people I've blessed you with, and to take a Sabbath rest. But you know, for me, I can be incredibly self-reliant. That's my confession. Man, when I look at those, this list of five things that God put in my heart for us this morning, I'm telling you, self-reliance is one of them that I struggle with. I was raised in that Germanic home where you work hard, you're self-reliant, you make something of yourself. But if I could illustrate the following way, the goodness of God. A few years ago, I had a surgery, and I grew up in a home where you didn't take medication. I mean, it was like the devil and then medication. That was the order of evil. You just didn't do it. So I come off this surgery, and I was in a lot of pain. But I was toughing it out, self-reliant, you know, chewing on the leather strap, just taking it, you know. I went in to the, see the doc, and he was an anesthesiologist that attended City Church. I'll never forget what he did. He looked at me, and he goes, you're in pain. I said, well, of course. You know, I just got cut open. He said, well, he said, I gave you pain pills. I said, I know. He said, how many have you taken? I said, zero. And this guy in the hospital grabbed me by my, by my shirt, and he jerked me toward him. Here's what he said. Stop trying to be so tough. When you're in pain, your body tenses and it doesn't heal. If you'll take the pills I've given you, your body will relax, the healing will speed up. And he said, quit being so tough and arrogant. <laughs> wow. You see, he had prescribed pain pills. Went home and told Fran, and she said, I told you so. <laughs> but I wonder if our Heavenly Father in Heaven isn't looking down at us this morning. And in love, He grabs us by the shirt collar, and He says, I have prescribed a day of rest. Why won't you take it? Trust me. Trust me that in the midst of this, if you will set that aside and you will cease and rest and embrace and feast, you're going to find that that day that's dedicated to me, I will make up all the difference. And if I don't, trust me, it means that your version of success is not what I want for you. If you can't do it in six days, I don't want you doing it. Don't want you doing it. Because I'm the God that will make up the difference. When I think about rest and I think about remember the Sabbath, I think about this powerful verse 
found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. We have it for up as a slide. Here's what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. As I think about a Sabbath rest, I want to encourage you that today you would take a look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, and that you would also do this. Remember Leviticus chapter 25. It's where God, by His grace, lays out the big plan of what Sabbath looks like. Once a week, every seven years, every seventh year, you let the ground lay fallow. And then every 50th year, there's what's called Jubilee. That there's literally a Sabbath that lasts the entire year, and then the next year is called the year of Jubilee. I want to encourage you, take some time today. Take some time above and beyond just cheering for the Green Bay Packers to win. Take time beyond that where you figure out for you what a Sabbath rest should look like. I want to encourage you to do that by reading Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, where Jesus calls you to come and get rest, that that rest is found in him. And then read Leviticus chapter 25, where God lays out what that looks like real time. Can we stand together? And as we stand together, we're going to close out with a word of prayer. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Rest. Remember to rest. Now, as we conclude our time, I believe God wants us to take action on this message. That this just isn't a message that we are called to forget about. But it's a message for you and it's a message for me. Here's my question. I saw so many people raise their hand and say, you're tired. You're tired. Would you, in God's presence, raise that same hand again? Say, God, here I am. I'm tired. Raise your hand. Say, God, I'm tired. Look, this prayer you already prayed today anyway. God, I'm tired. Keep your hand raised before God. Would you pray with me that maybe this hand raised is because we have not committed to Sabbath? We have not really committed in our hearts. Maybe it's the first time you've ever heard it. But by a raised hand, you would say, you know what, God, I'm going to commit to you that I'm going to learn to trust you. There's going to be one day. By the way, just so you know, it's just one day out of seven. It could be Tuesday. Whatever works best for you, but it's one day out of seven. We're called to rest. Make God the number one priority. For most of us, Sunday, it'll be easiest. 
But as we stand before him, and my hand is raised as well, would you ask God to convict you of Sabbath? Would you ask him to convict you of it? And to lead you by his spirit into what, fa- what Sabbath should look like for you? That you could find rest for your soul. God, I've raised my hand, and I pray for all of the hands that are raised. Oh, God, help us. Help us to be people that unplug from the vicious, culturally commanded cycle of life. Help us to unplug for that. To set aside a day where it's about you and your goodness. That we'd have a day of ceasing and resting. We'd have a day of embracing and a day of feasting. That we would truly remember and rejoice in your goodness to us. I pray over that individual whose hand is raised and they're at wit's end. Jesus, she doesn't know where the strength for today will come from. I pray that your scripture would be true to her as she steps into it and she meets you that you would call her come to me my dear daughter who is weary and burdened I will give you rest for the man who has a hand raised I pray that you would speak to us come to me sir you are weary you are burdened and I will give you rest will you give me a day I can meet you and fill you and give me my strength. Jesus, thank you for your scripture. Thank you that you celebrated Sabbath every week for 33 years. God, teach us, call us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's worship together as we close.
Sabbath day and keep it holy. If you would like prayer, our prayer team will be down front to pray with you and pray for you. Maybe you even really need to pray about this. This is something that you've been battling with and you know that you're going to need God to reconfigure your schedule and your mental, whatever that might look like. I want to encourage you if you need prayer this morning for whatever your need might be, please feel free to come forward to the front. Our prayer team will be here to pray with you and to pray for you. But for the rest of us, you can remain in worship. You can slip out quietly. But I want to read this text one more time. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. May the Lord bless us. May the Lord keep us. May he cause his face to shine upon us. And may he give us rest and peace in Jesus' name, in Christ's name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Let's worship as we go.
from you. I 